Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michelle Tremblay about combating bullying and creating a respectful workplace culture. Michelle Tremblay, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I am excited to have a conversation with you today. We're going to be talking about uh, healthy workplace culture, having a respectful workplace, um, topics around combating bullying in the workplace and those types of issues. And I know you are quite the expert in this field, and so I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. As we get started today, I just wanted to share Michelle's bio with everyone. Michelle Tremblay, founder of Empower Lives Company, is located in the Tri-Cities area in Vancouver's Lower Mainland. She has worked with over 15,000 participants nationwide uh, and is highly recognized as a powerful speaker, great motivator, and compassionate leader. She is dedicated, committed, and inspired to empower change in the workplace, schools, and communities at large through mental and physical health and wellness strategies, mindfulness, and social and emotional learning. Her corporate work has led her to present at such clients as WorkSafe, BC, Van Cities, Fraser Valley Children's Development Centers, CPHR, school districts, and nonprofit agencies. Michelle holds a second-degree black belt with 18 years of karate training and is the director on the board of the I Am Someone organization to end bullying. For over the last of nine years, her work has also consisted of teaching, mentoring, and coaching children and youth with bullying prevention training in school and after-school programs, not-for-profit agencies, recreation centers, private organizations, personal and group coaching clients, etc. Um, what a fascinating background. Uh, what a noble work that you're a part of. I'm so impressed and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk with you today. And among all of those accomplishments, the fact that you're a second degree black belt, you know, 18 years of experience, that is Amazing. Um, so uh, thank you so much for joining me. Anything else you would like to add by way of background as we uh, get started today? No, I just, uh, when I hear it come back to you, I'm like, wow, I've actually done quite a bit of stuff. <laughs> you, you have and, indeed. But I love it. I'm very passionate and I love the challenge. And just what I've done with people has been incredible, really, and children too. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, tell us tell us how you got into this line of work. You you you're you're doing kind of a variety of things all with connective tissue between them, right? So there there's a common thread and theme throughout all the work you're doing, but you're doing it in a lot of different places. So how did you get to where you're at and doing what you're doing? So I started working um in with an organization about it's been about 18 years and we started working with high-risk youth 
and I was going through a career transition. I was looking for an opportunity to try something different. And I knew that I loved working with people, making a difference. And I loved also, um, I'm a bit of a fitness freak, so I love my martial arts, being active, anything like that. And this project came in to work with kids. And when I was delivering the curriculum, I just felt this connection to the work and how I saw the kids shift, just even in a short amount of time with the martial arts training, as well as talking about some of the psychology behind bullying the anger, the emotions, different aspects of our human nature. And when it was connected to the kids, it was just the aha moments we got were incredible. And throughout that time period, it just took off. We started working with other districts. We went to places like Nunavut, which is way up in the Maritimes, or not the Maritimes, but up in the Quebec area, working with First Nations people, uh, we've worked with um, organizations as far as the Maritimes, and there was a common thread, as I said, through human behavior, even with adults. And when I moved to Vancouver, because I decided to jump into an aspect of what I really was dreaming about for my life, working in a bigger arena, arena coming from the Okanagan, is that there was a piece that was being missed. We were working with kids, they were getting this information, but we needed to work with adults because they had missed out on some of these skills, these social and emotional learning skills of just how to be able to regulate and how to understand how to communicate and then how to also work with educators on leadership too as well in that aspect. And it just took off down here as well because the flavor isn't for me just to be standing here speaking to you, it's to engage you with your physical body. And people just love that. And it's not um, where I'm taking you so deep in that aspect of also shifting you to breathe, to be teach you about mindfulness. And it just became this um, kind of organic project in itself to unfold in the business world. And I felt that, okay, I've got something here. And so now it's in a place where it's still morphing into many different things because of obviously what's going on with the pandemic right now. It's very, very cool. Um, I mean, such a, such a wonderful area to get into and, you know, listening to you talk about that process of, of kind of finding this, this opportunity and then leveraging it is, is quite inspiring. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, tell us a little bit more now about how this applies into the workplace setting. So you've talked about working with children, working in schools, working with parents. Um, how about for leaders within an organization who are thinking about, you know, they, they have to, to deal with, you know, difficult behaviors sometimes amongst people on their teams, unfortunately. I mean, you would hope that with adults that you don't have to do that, um, but it's still the case and we see we see a range of things. We see bullying, we see um, discrimination, uh, we see sexual harassment, we see all sorts of negative, negative behaviors that need to be dealt with, unfortunately, within organizations. So what can a leader do, you know, using the types of techniques and tools that you've been developing um, for all of, to, to, be, to be used in all these arenas, what can they do to start to make a difference for their people uh, within their teams? 
I think it's important to understand the role of a leadership in the leader itself. And sometimes leadership becomes very egotistical. Um, it can be very gender orientated. It can be very positional and power. And I think that definition of an organization and that individual who understands how to actually lead themselves first, they have has to have a strong awareness about who they are as an individual. I read this great quote a couple days ago um, from a native proverb that said, never follow a leader that's more in love with power than its people. And that really impacted me in how I've always seen my work. It's always about the people. So as a leader going into an organization to do this work and having the struggles, there has to be a self-awareness and identity for the leader itself. And who is going to be looking up to that, but to be able to be mentored and shifted as well as an individual, you constantly have to be growing. Now, within a team environment, that leader has to recognize, obviously, there's toxic behaviors in the workplace, and that's going to continue to unfold with absenteeism, morale, uh, lack of motivation, people that are just not willing to, to want to show up, mental health issues. Um, I think it's important to always know as a leader that you have to ask for help. If you don't have those kinds of skills yourself, so you're going to bring someone like myself in to do this, um, that you're going to work together as your team um, to find out what are some of the issues that we're dealing with and how can we deal with this? Because people don't know what they don't know unless they are told or they know something different. So you could have people that are aggressive in your workplace, but they think they're being assertive. Uh, you know, the dynamic of that. So I think as a leader, you have to recognize that your level of vulnerability to say that I have an issue here that I need to be dealing with, but I don't have the tools or the skills is that first step to be able to recognize that, okay, I need to check in and I may need to get help with this too as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. Um, all of those, those issues and trying to understand the underlying dynamics behind the negative workplace behaviors. Um, now sometimes, you know, you, you, you can't tolerate certain behaviors and if, if those occur, you know, then, then there may need to be discipline or even severing the employee relationship with the organization. Um, that, that's the hard part of the hard work of being a leader is, is dealing with those difficult kind of situations and having those difficult conversations. But being proactive, which I hear kind of what you are saying, you know, understanding the underlying um, drivers of those types of negative behaviors, and then leaders taking the opportunity to be proactive and creating a safe and dynamic, um, healthy culture can help really diminish the likelihood of those types of negative behaviors occurring um, in the first place, right? And I think I think it all comes down to something I know you talk a lot about, and that's just a basic fundamental focus on the dignity and respect of others, right? So it's it's not rocket science. It's like literally a super simple idea. Um, just treat everyone with dignity and respect, be kind. If, if you can learn to do that and get that right within your team and within your organization, so much of that other stuff is going to fade away. Um, but unfortunately, we live in a world that's hi highly polarized where people are constantly like bashing heads against each other because of disagreements and tribalism and um, you know, different ideologies. And, and we forget that, you know, we, we have more similar than we have different. 
uh, and our differences aren't negative. They're, they're, they're ways that we can see the world differently, that we can come uh, together to, to drive better solutions for organizational problems. And, and that, in fact, we're in this together and we still get to treat each other kindly with dignity and respect. When we do that and we can have civil discourse, even amidst disagreement, then you can break down those, those um, situations where, where tempers rise, where people are focused, you know, more ego-driven, focused on themselves. You can start to have this more holistic approach to everyone looking out for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And all I can say and reflect on is from my martial arts training, when I first walked into my dojo, there's a whole level of Japanese culture that is about respect. And you bow and you have a leader. And boy, that leader is a powerful individual in your life. He is someone that is intelligent. He is someone that cares about his students. He's someone that sees your potential. And he's not going to let you get away with just showing up just a little bit. He's going to push you to those next spaces within yourself. And I think as a leader that I've experienced that as someone that I wanted to mentor and emulate those kinds of qualities and saw how powerful that was as a team to really truly invest, to show that you care, to show that you are of value. And I mean, it isn't rocket scientists, but it's what's the motivation behind this person in leadership? Is it about your title or is it about your role as a leader? And so that definition for me is how I see things starting to change, where we're becoming more conscious of that and wanting to take care of the needs of the people instead of it all being about us. Because if I am the leader, I win when you win. I win when you actually become better than me in certain aspects of your job because I look back on that seed I've planted and that's fulfilling and rewarding. Most I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, the Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. I mean, not only fulfilling and rewarding, but it's literally the only way that work can get done within an organization. If you want to be productive, if you want to have a high performance organization, 
you have to lean on the expertise of your people. Um, I don't, even the most brilliant people that I know in my life, I don't know anyone who could take over single-handedly all the roles on their team and get everything done that needs to be done. It's, it's just not possible. And that's why we have teams, right? Um, that's why we have people with different expertise and the leader, once you're, once you're in that role, you, you have some level of expertise, obviously, because you've had success in your career up to that point to be put in that role, but you are now creating the vision and the strategy and then supporting and empowering the people on your team that report to you. And they're the ones on the ground, right? They're the ones with the expertise in their specific spheres and they're the ones you need to lean on. Um, and so I liked how you described, uh, you know, the, the primary role of a leader is to help those that they work with to, to learn and grow and become even better than them. That is the true mark of a good, powerful leader. Um, someone who's constantly developing other people who's not so caught up on themselves and their own ego to think that they have to know everything, that they have to be involved with everything, that they have to, um, you know, have their fingers in every little um, different activity that's happening. But they learn to trust their people, they empower their people, they lean on the expertise of their people, uh, and that creates a, di a dynamic environment where people perform at peak levels, or at least where they can, they have the opportunity to perform at higher levels and drive more uh, productivity, innovation, you know, all of those types of positive outcomes for the organization. And that's what makes you a successful leader, right? It, it's, mm -hmm. it's when the organization performs for the marketplace and it's not going to perform for the marketplace when you're micromanaging, when you're, um, you know, stifling the creativity of your people. And it's certainly not going, you're not going to create as much value for the marketplace as you could when you have negative workplace behaviors occurring when, when you have, um, you know, people engaged in harassment, people engaged in bullying, people engaged in, um, you know, just withdraw cognitions, disengagement, uh, absenteeism, you know, all those types of things. That's what drives down the success of an organization. And that's why we need to create dynamic, safe uh, environments that foster respect for everyone. That includes respect for self, respect for your leader, respect for your teammates, everybody. And you sometimes you have to start at square one, depending on the organization of where you're able to bring in those skills and those tools for people to recognize their own, um, how they're contributing, whether it is positive or negative. And we do know that a healthy environment will produce a healthy result within healthy people. So those people have also too to have good mental health and wellness and how are they showing up with everything else that's going on in their life. This is a human being first instead of just looking at them as an employee and it, it's a very delicate subject that we talk about mental health because I don't want to be telling everybody my issues and things that may be going on but we know it's going on. And it's rampant in uh, us trying to show up and be contributing in a positive way when I'm dealing with an addiction or there's marital issues. And this is the reality of life. So what I'm seeing is that there's organizations that are looking at that aspect of helping their people with those parts and to take the time to invest in that, to know that they're going to help from that place of care and, and show their value with that individual. 
um, to bring their organization to an organization that you'd want to show up for uh, work and be able to contribute it because you're truly cared for, not just by the numbers that you're bringing in, but the fact that, you know, like I'm having something happening in my home life. So there has to be safety for me to be able to, to deal with it. And I think it's, you know, it's a community. It's a community of people that you're working with and you spend a lot of time with. And to have that ability to be able to inspire that within individuals and get the help that they need um, is recognizing that, you know, we just can't just pretend it's not there anymore. It's like this pink shirt day that we put on a blue, t a purple t-shirt, purple t-shirt, pink t-shirt. I must have other colors in my head. And we'll say it's anti-bullying, but we're still not really getting to the core issues of what's going on. So we are now starting to realize that the psychology of all of this is about giving people a lot more way to recognize that this is not working anymore. <laughs> and we've got to make this change. And I think this is a really great time in our, in our world to start to see this shift. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what, right now in the middle of this disruptive environment, disruptive global economy, you know, the pandemic raging, political and social strife, um, and, and difficulties and challenges, it's, it's causing organizations and leaders to rethink everything, really, um, trying to, to figure out what they can do to be successful, to keep their doors open, to support their employees. And it's, it's requiring leaders to have uh, difficult conversations. Um, so, you know, if, if I have people on my team, you know, if, if I have people of color who are on my team and we're going through the summer, you know, in the George Floyd moment and Black Lives Matter and all this sort of thing, all these sorts of things, you know, and if I don't have any sort of conversation around that or recognize or understand that that's going to impact or at least has a high potential of impacting people on my team, then, you know, I'm clueless because of course it's going to impact. It's, it's very, in very real um, ways, it is directly impacting the lives of so many of the people on our team. Or maybe someone is dealing with sickness or even death from COVID um, that, you know, or, or they have a, a loved one living with them who's immunocompromised, who, you know, they have to care for. I mean, there's so many different issues that can be driving um, the types of negative workplace behaviors, and especially when you have someone who has been a really great employee for you in the past, and all of a sudden you start to see a shift in the, the way they communicate, the way they behave, and, and there's negative behaviors that you don't like, um, the easy thing to do is to say, uh, you violated a policy, or you, you, know, you did this, that, or the other, so you're gone. I mean, that's not helping them, of course, but it's certainly not helping you as the organization because you just lost a valuable employee that if you just spend a little bit of time showing some empathy towards them and showing some support, then you can help them get through this difficult time. And then they remember, they remember that. And they'll be more loyal, more committed. They'll tell their coworkers um, who will then, you know, that'll help to build a reputation for the company as a place where, where you know your boss cares about you that and that matters right and so i think all of those pieces are just so important as we try to consider um those underlying issues that could be influencing the types of negative behaviors that we see not always of course um 
You know, sometimes people can just be jerks and sometimes people can just do things that are abusive to other people. uh, And we need to deal with that. But, you know, I'm a believer that most people are well-intentioned, good people trying to do the best they can. And, and so we need to be better at supporting each other during these hard times. And I think too, within an organization, if you do have some of those individuals that you are having issues with and they have been written up and given opportunities and there's still not a change, then yeah, there's certain aspects of that has to be, this may not be the right opportunity for you if you've tried everything and exhausted those efforts. And it can be the best thing that that person has the opportunity to move on. But as you said, and I, I love um, Simon Sinek, he's follow, I follow a lot of his stuff on LinkedIn, and he made a good point about being a leadership we've kind of come from has really been selfish. And, and now we need to really take a hard look at how we're caring and having that empathy so that person's sales has gone down. Well, maybe there's, like you said, something else going on here that I need to say, hey, buddy, like what's happening here? You know, are, is everything okay? And I think that, you know, intuitively sometimes we have those skill, soft skills ourselves and others have not had that experience for themselves so they don't know, even know how to deliver it. And it makes them feel very uncomfortable. Um, so those are things that we can learn as we teach children. Um, adults can learn that too as well. But it's just showing that you're taking that time and effort for an individual because they will produce so much more for you when you invest in who they are as a person and it can be as simple as just asking them how their weekend was and genuinely caring because we can tell whether it's fake or not and where that comes from so i love what i do because i'm able to go in and incorporate a lot of these pieces but do it in a really playful fun way that doesn't put people individually on the spot where they're feeling like they are called out on it And as a group, there can be a lot of vulnerability through that that can be exposed to say, you know what, actually, I do need some support here. And it's amazing what can come when you create that trust and that safety within that organization. Safety and trust, respectful environment, treat people with dignity and respect, be kind. Yeah, it kind of comes back to those basic features. And I can say that I didn't honestly know what respect was until I honestly started with my training in martial arts because there was, there were, you know, concepts and ideas about it, but it was actually a feeling of how someone honored who I was and was considerate and respected me by showing up on time or whatever it was. That environment was engaging and it was also about lifting. But it was about that, that feeling for yourself to take pride in who you are and how you are contributing, how are you showing up. Sometimes we have a revelation that this organization is not for us anymore. And we need to take those steps and let go. And I see a lot of people hanging on to something where they're not happy, but because of the paycheck, they are staying in those positions, they're miserable. And it's difficult for people to make change to understand that the fear of the unknown is just the fear of the unexperienced and it's uncertain, but we still have to sometimes take those steps. And I'm also going to say is you need to have a mentor or a coach. I've had great 
people in my life I continue to have. And as a leader and anybody that's going through anything at even at this point is to be able to manage that not by yourself, but by people around you to help you because you need to have that support system. Um, Michelle, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by and we're already uh, coming close to the end of our time together. But I did want to make sure before we part ways today that I give you a chance to share with listeners um, how they can get connected with you, find out more about your organization, and let us know if there's anything else you would like to share. So what's happening right now is I am transitioning to everything online, <laughs> which has been a big learning curve for me and exciting but scary at the same time. I'm ready to uh, open up the doors to other um, organization or corporate clients and also the work I do within the school system and communities to offer programming, workshops, keynote speak, speaking engagements, and any kind of opportunity that I can help a team engage in mental health and wellness. So everything can be um, directed towards my website, www.empowerlives.com. And through that, there's lots of information on there, how people can get a hold of me and even customize what they want to do with their team. They may have an issue with accountability and responsibility with their leaders. And I have gone in and done work around that, which has been fantastic. So like, I'm excited about what I can do on a bigger scale right now with what we're, our platform is. So here's to all the good successes for us coming with this shift that's happening in the world today. Excellent. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. I really hope that listeners will reach out, get connected, find out more about what Empower can do for you. Uh, and as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope everyone has a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.